Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. When you take her perspective and overlay it onto Luke chapters two, you begin to see everything in a different light. The first thing you see is that far from being pushed and pulled by forces outside of them, they are held in this story, absolutely held by the hands of God. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Do you remember that song you might have sung as a kid? He's got the whole world in his hands. (laughs) It's simple, right? But it's oh so true. As Pastor Ricky teaches us today, you're going to learn how God is involved in every story. He hasn't forgotten his people. He hasn't forgotten you. Pastor Ricky reminds us that God is present in Mary's song, giving her the proper perspective on such life-changing events that she didn't ask for. You can trust him with your story today. He hasn't forgotten you. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Luke chapter 2. As he begins his message, Christ was born for you, born for the forgotten. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. This is a familiar passage. I'm going to warn you, this is a passage that perhaps if you're not even familiar with the Bible, if you don't usually go to church, you may be familiar with this passage. If nothing else from Linus has probably read it to you at some point. So, Here's what I'm gonna pray. As we read these words, let's remember that these are the living and active words of God and let's pray that we get a fresh vision and a fresh glimpse of who God is through this as we celebrate Christmas this year. I think this year we need Christmas more than ever, but I think this year also has the potential that Christmas will begin to mean much more to us than it ever has before. So Luke chapter two, Verse one, this is God's word. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. This is the very word of God. Lord, may you speak to us and open our eyes today. Amen. Well, how many of you are fans of the classic holiday movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Who likes the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Okay, now that, that was easy to do. Here's what I want you to do. Be honest if you do not like It's a Wonderful Life. Like somebody's made you watch it at some point and you dread the holiday movie time where everybody's sitting around and everybody goes, let's put on a holiday movie. And you're thinking, not It's a Wonderful Life, not It's a Wonderful Life. Um, 
And I have to confess, sometimes I am in that category. Look, most of the time I'm in that category. And now here's the problem though. My dad makes us all watch It's a Wonderful Life every year. So as November rolls around, my anxiety begins to grow that like, okay, here it comes. It's a wonderful life. Now listen, 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 hear me on this. I love the last 10 minutes of It's a Wonderful Life. But the previous movie to that is the, it's stressful, like hour and a half you can spend in front of a screen. It's the charming holiday story of war, disability, bankruptcy, and suicide, right? Like, that's not what you want to turn to. Like, what do we, I want a holiday film, you know, like, and everyone's like, oh, let's just gather around to watch it. And I realize something happens. My dad and I have different experiences watching It's a Wonderful Life, okay? And my experience is one of anxiety, fear, and dread. And I realized this week that, that actually It's a Wonderful Life gets at one of the core fears I have as like a human. And here's the core fear. I fear being forgotten. I hate the moment in the movie where they, the bank has run out of money, everybody's demanding their money back. He, he, you know, George is turning, like, wh- where can he find help? Nobody's there to help him. Nobody seems like is, is there for him. Even his family, there's distance and isolation, and he ends up utterly alone on this bridge, totally seemingly forgotten by everybody, except for perhaps one person upstairs who sends him a reminder, right? But that, that moment of being forgotten is the worst. And then you sort of live in that moment in suspense until the very end of the movie where you finally answer the question, was George really forgotten or not? Now, where am I going with that? Well, if you read Luke chapter two and you read it not with the holiday lenses we normally read it with, if you just read the text What it appears is that this nameless, faceless, Judean, poor, blue-collar couple has been forgotten by the entire world around them. This is not just a charming, warm-hearted holiday story. Like, oh, look at this couple. Look at the cute animals. No, it wasn't cute. There were animals. Like, if there's one thing you do not want near you when you're having a baby, it's a barn of animals, right? Like, that is not (laughs) what you're going for. So why then is this one of the most beloved, remembered, retold stories of all earthly history? It's because there is a contrast between what it appears this story is at first glance and what it actually reveals as we dig into it. There's two halves of what we're going to explore in the text, what it appears and then what Advent actually reveals. So first, let's look at what it appears. What it appears is that Mary and Joseph have been forgotten. Now, remember, Luke, the writer of this gospel, is giving an account, and perhaps in some ways he's having to defend the birth of Christ because he's claiming Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of Kings, and yet his birth seems like he's been 
utterly, and his parents have been utterly forgotten. Look at the, the marks of this here. First, it appears that this couple is just pushed and pulled by forces far beyond their control. Now, the reason Mary and Joseph even end up going to Bethlehem is not because they wanted, they had a free long weekend and they're like, what should we do? Let's go to Bethlehem. No, Mary's super pregnant. They live 90 miles away. Going to Bethlehem would be a climb of 2,600 feet. And so this would be like from SNL, like SNL Paso, walking to Alamogordo when you're nine months pregnant. I don't know any moms that are like, yeah, sign me up for that. That sounds fun. No, it is not fun, right? It seems as though they're pushed and pulled. Now, but why are they doing this? Well, it says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, right? Now, what it means is Caesar, the absolute ruler, he doesn't care about Mary. He doesn't care about these people in backwater Judea. He doesn't care about anybody. He wants a census, and if people have to stop what they're doing, pick up, travel for days, go do the census and go back, they're missing their crops, they're missing their businesses, they're having babies along the way, doesn't matter, Caesar says so. And so it seems like they're just getting pushed and pulled around by the powers of Caesar over them. And even much more you know, much more important and powerful political forces behind Caesar, economic forces, all of this stuff. Mary and Joseph seem like a little tiny boat that's at the middle of a big ocean being tossed and turned with no control over their lives. Maybe this year you felt something similar. In the stories that I've heard from folks from the church, this is definitely a year in which we feel our lack of control, where we feel pushed and pulled. I talked to one business owner that was getting squeezed from all sides. He happened to own a franchise, and not only was he getting pushed by the economic forces, by the pandemic forces, he was, he was sort of under certain rules of what he could and couldn't do as a franchisee, and, and, he, and he just admitted, I feel out of control. I feel pushed on every side. Maybe you felt like that. That's what it appears is happening, but it's not. Second, what appears is happening is that it appears that Mary and Joseph have been disregarded. It says that they laid him, Jesus, the king of kings, in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, I went and looked at some historical sources, and there's a wide variety of what people think the stable was, right? And the manger. So some people would say there's, you know, the inn was a kind of a courtyard and the, the, the animals were in the middle, kind of under a rough shelter. And that's where they had the baby. Other people said, no, no, it was off away from the main house, maybe in a cave. The one thing in common that everybody does agree on is that the stable was not nice, warm, comfortable, and under a lot of care and attention from the people around it. The reason they ended up there is because there was nowhere else to go. Look, they, they arrive probably traveling late in the day. They arrive later than everybody else, all the other travelers, because they're traveling with a pregnant lady. And the town is full of people who are there to take part in the census. And there is no, like, shelter of any kind available. And, and Joseph doesn't have the money to get somebody to leave their room. He doesn't have the power or influence to get somebody to leave their room. And what it appears is that nobody cares for them enough to leave their room so that they end up having this child out in the open. This town is full of frenetic activity, people coming and going this way and that way. And it feels like Mary and Joseph are just pushed off to the side, disregarded by everyone. So maybe... Maybe this year, that's what you've felt at some point. You, you feel like, I, I've been disregarded. Nobody sees me. Nobody even knows the details of my situation. 
What, what comes to mind is when, when we were having our kids in the hospital, my job was always to work the call button, right? That was my contribution to the labor process of my wife is I've, I've got the call button. So you need something to let me know, I'll push the button, right? And I remember at different points pushing the call button to get the nurse and, and there was a, sh- a small delay. And I remember thinking, we, we've been abandoned. We've been disregarded. Nobody in this hospital cares about us. Obviously, we're sitting in a first-order medical hospital, right, with monitors and all that stuff. But I'm just thinking, I'm pushing the button, and no one is coming immediately. And then they finally come on, and they're like, sir, can I help you? Yes, yes, thank God. We need more ice chips, you know? And like, okay, sir, thank you, you know? And then a call back five minutes later, just checking on the ice chips. Okay, sir, you know, like, I think at one point they took the buzzer away from me because... I felt disregarded with 30 seconds of inattention in a crucial moment. What do you think Mary Joseph felt? What do you think they experienced? It seems as though reading the text that they are disregarded. Third, it seems as though the promises God had made to his people would be or were unfulfilled. Now, it actually is sort of a painful irony that that Luke is bringing up the fact that Joseph is of the house of David, right? He's going to David's birthplace because he's of the lineage of David. But but Joseph traveling back to David's birthplace, he's not traveling as a king out of a long line of glorious kings. He's not traveling as a powerful person or a ruler out of a long line of rulers. He is traveling as sort of a a rough, blue-collar, descendant of a line of broken, humiliated kings. And in fact, he's getting shoved and pushed around by another king far above him that seems more powerful above him, right? And he's going to this forgotten corner of the Roman Empire, the city of Bethlehem, a forgotten village. And in some ways, this journey and this city are emblematic of all of the, you know, sort of the unfulfilled promises given to Israel. Remember that God told David, he told David, somebody from your family will sit on the throne forever, right? That's kind of the promise that hangs over the house of David. And what we see in Luke 2 is a a small, struggling, broken descendant of King David goes to a backwater town, and that's the glorious return, right? It seems as though that promise would be unfulfilled, and it was unfulfilled. Maybe today, maybe this year you felt that they've been unfulfilled promises from God, promises for God to do something or to watch you or shepherd you or be with you or walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And, and you feel like, man, I, I just, I don't see it. It seems unfulfilled. And last, it appears that Mary and Joseph are cast down by all earthly accounts, they are cast down, not only economically, not only sort of in terms of power, but also even in terms of basic social standing and shame, right? It says in verse five that Joseph was to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child, right? So, so here's what would eventually spread through the small town of Bethlehem. Is, as people are, you know, are coming in for the census, I'm sure people are saying, oh, who's that? You know, oh, wow, that person looks like they've done well for themselves. Oh, that's so, you know, Simeon's cousins. Or this person, oh, yeah, that, that's my second cousin. It seems like he's got a great business or, or he's advancing socially. And, and who are those people? Oh, that's, that's Joseph. You know the story about him, his well, the girl he was betrothed to got pregnant. So we don't know if it was Joseph. We don't know if she was unfaithful, whatever it is. 
And you see the whispers begin to start about them, right? Even socially, it seems as though they're cast down, cast away from polite society. This text is true of Mary and Joseph, but if you back up and look at sort of the Bible as a whole, this is also the situation of humanity as a whole. Humanity, because of our choice to turn away from God, um, have, we found ourselves cast down. We found so many of the, the, the purposes we were made for to be unfulfilled. We seem to be pushed and pulled by all these forces around us, but, but we've chosen to give ourselves to them instead of to God, right? And, and as a result, humanity has sort of this deep long is that we, we feel what we fear most been forgotten. We will be forgotten. The irony is that we, we feel what we fear most in our heart of hearts is being forgotten by God. But in sin, what we do is we turn away from God and then we fear, oh, God has forgotten me, right? This is a position all humanity is in. Just it, Joseph is, and his line and his house, the house of David are sort of an illustration of this where they, for years and years, ruler after ruler turned away from God, went away from God, and then later who are wondering, oh, where is God, right? It seems as though he's been forgotten. The house of David's been forgotten. Perhaps even that humanity has been forgotten, but that is not the case. One, one note from Kent Hughes, one of the commentators on this, he says, no child born into the world that day seemed to have lower prospects. The son of God was born into the world, not as a prince, but as a pauper, we must never forget that this is where Christianity began and where it always begins, with a sense of need, a graced sense of one's insufficiency. Christ himself, setting the example, comes to the needy. He is born only to those who are poor in spirit. You see what Kent Hughes is saying? He's saying, listen, if you feel, if you feel lowly or forgotten or cast out or needy, that's the perfect place then to receive the good news of Christmas. So what is the good news of Christmas? The good news of Christmas is that far from what it appears that we've been forgotten or Mary and Joseph have been forgotten, the good news is that this account actually reinforces perhaps more than any other that God remembers his people. And let's break down how that works. How does this text illustrate that God remembers his people? Well, I want you to flip back one page. Because see, God gave Mary and Joseph to some extent a divine perspective on the events that are, that are taking place here. And Luke preloads that he includes this divine perspective before the account of Jesus. And when we see it, it changes the way that we see everything. Luke 1, this is Mary's song, the God-given perspective she has on, on these events. 146, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. And you think, what? how is that possible, right? You're this poor, shamed girl. Here, she's gonna tell you. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. 
guilty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. When you take her perspective and overlay it onto Luke chapters two, you begin to see everything in a different light. The first thing you see is that far from being pushed and pulled by forces outside of them, they are held in this story, absolutely held by the hands of God. Look at how active God is in Mary's song, how active God is in the events of the incarnation and birth of Christ. These are just some of the phrases that we just read. He has looked. He has done great things. He has shown. He has scattered. He has exalted. He has brought down. He has filled. He has sent as he spoke. See, what's happening is far from this this chain of events being out of control, this is God controlling the events around them. Where they might think, well, Caesar is the one pushing and pulling us. Well, there is one above Caesar pushing and pulling him, right? According to the divine plan, lining everything up as it should be. You might think, well, why in the world would this poor pregnant girl be forced to travel so far from her homeland? Well, that travel to Bethlehem was a fulfillment of God's prophecy about where Jesus would be born and a foreshadowing that he would be like his forefather David and even greater David. And the humble nature of his birth was signifying what kind of savior he would be. Not a a savior only associated with the powerful and the rich, but rather the gentle and the lowly and the humble. In fact, even this long road that Mary and Joseph traveled was probably built by Caesar And those same Roman roads built by Caesar that he was so proud of that he felt like he had such great control of his empire, God would use those very roads to carry the announcement of the advent, the arrival of God into this world and the good news of Jesus. You see, far from this being out of control, this is firmly in the control of God. God was the one watching them, holding them, sovereignly orchestrating these events. You know, few weeks back, I had some guys over in my backyard and we were tossing around the question, what have you learned this year? And it actually kind of turned into a retelling of what God has done in our lives and where it often seems like, man, this situation was terrible. That situation was terrible. One guy just shared, you know what? I would have never expected this, but I needed a season of rest. I needed a season with my family and God used this to give that to me. Another person shared, you know what? I've been struggling with trusting God, and man, this has really really forced me to trust God this year. So when I prayed that at the beginning of the year, the Lord was like, I got you. Right? Another person shared, it's helped them step back and think about their future and where their life is going. And you just see the hands of God in a hundred ways, holding his people, guiding his people, sustaining his people. I believe we will not just see a record of tragedy. We will, with divine perspective, learn to see a record of God's faithfulness, that God has sustained us and held us even through this. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he's strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Christmas time is here. For a lot of people, Christmas brings happy memories filled with joy and laughter. But for many others, the memories aren't so sweet. Christmas can also be filled with deep heartache and loneliness. 
If your Christmases are less than jolly, we're glad that you decided to spend some time with us on Better News Radio, because we really do have better news for you. You heard in today's message with Pastor Ricky that Christ was born for you. One of the names given to the newborn king was Emmanuel, which means God with us. No matter how lonely your Christmas might be, you're not alone. The God of the universe sees you, and he knows you, and he loves you. He's with you. Better News Radio is a ministry out of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. Are you in the area? We would love to meet you. Stop by and see us this Sunday morning at 9 or 11. For more information about the church and location, head on over to betternewsradio.com. Once again, that's betternewsradio.com. And if Christmas isn't such a happy one for you, check out our Better News book. In this free book, we'll take a look at some questions like, why is there a deep longing in our hearts that we just can't seem to satisfy? And if you have any questions still after reading it, email us at radio at crossofgraceradio.com. Once again, that email is radio at crossofgraceradio.com. We'd be happy to try and answer all of your questions or just pray for you. Well, that brings us to the end of this special Christmas message. We'll be praying for you until we meet again next time here on Better News Radio.